I know I'm going to have like a frog in my throat the moment we start recording. <laughs> no. I've been having it like the last few days where I'll be fine. Like I'm not even congested, but I'll be talking all of a sudden I'll just be like, uh, uh, and I, and I be, uh, and you just made our cold open. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 576 with our review of Parasite. I am Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. <laughs> Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Um, if you are a longtime listener, you know that that statement rings yeah. less we true. We haven't been strongly weekly. We've been <laughs> weekly, weekly the last yeah. few months. I mean, we were daily for a while. Yeah. But it was daily from the past and the future at the same time mm-hmm. as we spent a long time. We're meeting in the middle. Yeah, we, <laughs> we were rolling out all of our films that we had seen at the Toronto International Film Festival, some of which, many of which, it feels like have already been coming yeah, out. We could um, bump them in the feeds, but yeah. eh, that sounds like past us is problem. <laughs> <laughs> or future listeners' problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's lots of films that have been coming out that you can find in the feeds, including Jojo Rabbit, which, mm-hmm. um, spoilers for when we're actually recording this, came out this weekend. Yeah. Um, and we both rewatched it and we both re-loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we are here talking about Parasite. We're trying to get back into the flow of things. We're going to have two reviews for this weekend, um, both reviews for things that came out last week. Um, one is Parasite and one is The Lighthouse, which uh, we've been very curious about for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this is... Uh, it's strange to be back in the booth for real after so... I, it's literally been... I don't I don't know how long it's... Because y- you were doing some traveling. Yep. I was doing some traveling. We've been trying to regroup, but we had a bunch of episodes sort of in the can just yeah. waiting to dole out. I mean, the last time we recorded for real... Not to peel back the curtain too much, but I think it was the Knives Out review. And I think we recorded that. In the time since we recorded that, I've been to Atlanta and Florida and Italy, and you've been to Korea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's been a long few weeks, I feel like. It has been. It's been. I feel like it's been over a month since yeah. we've actually recorded something. I hope it's um, like riding a bike. I feel so nervous, so awkward. <laughs> like, what if you judge me? <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's, 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 it's like doing it in another language. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> we're actually doing this in Korean. It's just dubbed. Yeah, yeah. We have two two folk in San Francisco who are dubbing over our. Yeah, uh, there, there was one person who said he was good at dubbing, and then he mentioned he had a friend who could do it too, and we had to fire someone. So it, it worked <laughs> out really nicely. Um, but yeah, so we are here. Um, we're going to be talking about Parasite. Yep. Um, Stephen saw Parasite. At Cannes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably the last time this year I'll get to have the humble brag of like, oh yeah, I saw that back in May. <laughs> it depends <laughs> if we do Portrait of a Lady on Fire. We'll find out. Otherwise, this might be my last one. Which I've seen the trailer several times yeah. um, over the doesn't last it, couple weeks. I, I love that movie, but doesn't the trailer look like Rochelle Rochelle or something? <laughs> I have not seen Rochelle Rochelle. That's the fake movie in Seinfeld. Oh, it's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. art house. <laughs> okay. Good call. Yeah. I guess there's a reason why I haven't seen it. <laughs> And I don't have to feel bad about Two it. Two women having a sexual awakening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, maybe it's not about sex. Maybe it's just about running. Yeah. No, yeah, that's true. That, that, it could be. It sure is. So how... I wanted to ask you first, how did it feel? So we watched Parasite on a Thursday night. And that Saturday morning, you flew off to South Korea. I have not seen you 
basically we left the parasite screening and then you were out of the office the next day yeah. and as far as i knew you went straight from parasite to korea <laughs> and you have just stumbled back here this morning um so how how did it feel being immersed in a like korean film about class and the way like these different groups of people live and then being in like the capital of south korea <laughs> and then arriving in south korea in the executive suite yeah <laughs> just completely ignoring class altogether mm. um yeah so i i was kind of excited honestly to be like okay cool i'm gonna go see this korean film and then i'm gonna go to korea and obviously there was not a overlap in the experience of watching this film and right. being in korea at all other than hearing korean spoken around yeah. me <laughs> for several periods of time um were there I'm, billboards for the movie anywhere so i didn't see anything honestly like i um i talked to you know one of uh the the people I was with um, about Bong Joon Ho and just like oh yeah I saw this movie before I came and we didn't really talk that much about it but um, there was a um, the hotel that I stayed at belongs to a large corporation mm-hmm. in in Korea and they have like department stores and cinemas and the hotel had was connected to the department store a subway station and a theater yep. and I was trying to get to the listings to see if there was something I should try to see or maybe rewatch Parasite if it was playing there. Yeah. But I, I couldn't navigate the site. <laughs> so it like, it had a button that switched to English, but you still had to know where the hell you were and yeah. what was going on. And like, I just... Like Seoul is like maybe kind of international, but compared to even Tokyo, there's like so little English, I feel like. Well, I, so the, the, everyone who worked at the hotel spoke English. Mm-hmm. Fluently, and and you know, at least one person that I was working with my time there spoke spoke English really really well. So I wasn't as immersed as when I've been to Japan and stuff, where like yeah. literally I just couldn't communicate with anybody. Mm. <laughs> um, but that's just social anxiety. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it was it was it was interesting to be going to Korea right mm. after having seen this film. But unfortunately, because it was a work trip and it was an extremely busy work trip that yeah. didn't have a lot of exploring time budgeted on either end of the trip um i didn't really get to immerse myself in the experience as much as i would have liked to it was sort of like oh i happen to be in korea Mm -hmm. (laughs) after having seen the film yep yeah so so i had one other rant i figured i don't want to ruin the review of the movie with my (laughs) upsetness because spoilers this is a film i really really enjoyed um both times i watched it so i'm not going to have much negativity there but I've been feeling a thing lately, especially it's with these movies that like I or we are like seeing in festivals beforehand and then we're waiting a few months and then it goes wide and we get to see it at the Alamo crowd, especially, which the theater in SF, you can tell it's like a lot of film fans that go to it. Like, like our parasite screening was basically sold out, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's the kind of thing where people have heard buzz, they've poured over the trailer, they've decided they want to go watch it. And Lately, I've had this weird thing where even when the movie holds up, the behavior of the audience, even the audience liking it, I feel like they're liking it in the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it makes me feel mad. Like the the worst semi-recent example was Moonlight for me, where I thought Moonlight was a beautiful movie. The audience was clearly primed to love it. And so in the first like 20 minutes, there are like laughs and like... They're verbally loving it in a way that doesn't feel genuine yet. Yeah. And in Parasite, I felt that so much toward the beginning where, like, 
one nice thing about Parasite is most of the actual dialogue that's in the trailer is in the first maybe half hour of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Like they save most of the film to be a surprise. But there's things that have been in the trailer, like the people reciting Jessica's name before they go up to the door and a few other bits. And every... the, it's a self-portrait, right? Yeah. It's a chimpanzee. <laughs> and every one of those lines in the theater massive laughter like yeah. howls of laughter from the audience and then things that felt like inappropriate to me too where it's like a korean woman saying a phrase in english and that's it and the audience like howls with laughter as if the mo- it's the most hilarious thing they've ever heard and i feel yeah. like i have this feeling that like everybody they want so badly to like this movie because they've seen like the praise from IndieWire and everyone that like this is the best film of the year. Yeah. And I feel like there's so much tension in the beginning of like I have to like this, so I'm gonna laugh. I'm gonna emote at every little thing the movie does. And like I felt so annoyed listening to them. And the only saving grace for me is hearing about 45 minutes in when they let go and realize, oh, this movie is good. I don't need to love everything every second. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I can just let the movie guide me. So I guess my question is like, am I an asshole? <laughs> Well, see, I, it, it's it's always hard to know where or how an audience that you're seeing a film with is arriving there. Like, mm-hmm. there's films that we've seen where we've been excited about because, you know, we know the director or our previous work or we've seen the last film. And we get there and it's all like 73 to 85-year-old yeah. couples. And you're like, oh, either we're wrong or they're wrong. Something yeah. is weird here. and almost always they're wrong (laughs) and like half of them get up and leave during the course of the film and i think that sometimes people come through here and like i never saw okja but i know that there are some very zany performances there and i wonder if there are some people who are coming from films like that and like transposing like a jake gyllenhaal type performance Mm -hmm. in into a film where that character does not exist anywhere yeah and they're they're like thinking they're saying one thing when they're actually watching like a serious drama right that is all about like the intensity of what you're saying and there are things that like if i'm honest like there are moments in this film that ride the line between zaniness oh yeah and sure. and terror <laughs> and if you're not vibing correctly with the film or maybe mm-hmm. you had one too many buckets of Corona or yeah. whatever the frat boys are, are ordering from the the thing, yeah. you might react inappropriately to the segment. Um, and, and I think that this is the type of film that you want to see on the big screen. You want to see in an environment with people who are getting it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's really easy for people to not get it yeah. or to people who might be bored or maybe it's too slow for them to suddenly lose their shit when stuff changes on Mm. them. Right. It's, it's, you can never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, I think I'm just, I'm becoming too much of a curmudgeon now. Like I, there's been so (laughs) many movies in a row now where I'm like, I love that movie, but you loved it wrong. (laughs) That's probably not a good guy to be. (laughs) I mean, we all have a little bit of that guy in us, right? I just feel like there's so much weight on parasite right now. Like, I, the most miraculous thing to me is that it has survived all this weight because it, it won the Palme d'Or. It like went to Toronto and it got raves there. It opened. It's continuing to get raves. Like at some point it feels like that wave has to like break, right? There has to be someone I mean, who has had it so overhyped that they're just going to have it ruined. And so far it hasn't happened. But I feel I feel nervousness when like an audience is like, I know they want it to be good so bad. And I'm like, oh, you're making it awkward. Steven, it's not like it's it suddenly became more profitable than Avengers Endgame or anything yeah, like that. I know. 
the military isn't issuing uh, public service announcements about how to find exits in your theaters while you're right. watching Parasite. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But anywho. Anyway. <laughs> what do you say, Stephen, we get into our review of Parasite? Let's do it. We're going to take a listen to the trailer, which will be in Korean yep. for Parasite. And then our after, dubbers will get on it. <laughs> after you're done hearing the music from that trailer, we're going to come back and give you guys a review. What? Okay. I'm deadly serious. All right. So I know Stephen has some qualms about the trailer versus the film that he saw. Mm. I have not full agreement on the qualms for that. So I will try to give the most basic of descriptions of what this film is. We will talk about the film and then we can have a spoiler section where we can have a dialogue about what we think the trailer is doing and and, and just the end of the film and all that sort of stuff. Um, So to start us off, this film is basically the story of a young boy um, who lives with his family in a house that's not super exciting it's the basement of some place somewhere in korea and uh his friend tells him about this girl who needs a teacher and he decides that he might be able to make some money by pretending to be a tutor for her um for english and uh that sort of sets the story in motion. <laughs> Is that big enough, Stephen? Yeah, 
I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I haven't even figured out in our non-spoiler section what we're allowed to talk about. So <laughs> I'm already a hypocrite. I feel like if you're listening to a podcast, you've already decided you're going to have at least trailer-level spoilers for a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I, I, when we'll get into it later, but I think that there's a lot of stuff that you are carrying into viewing that trailer. Sure. That having viewed the trailer and then seen the film, I don't... I'm not too scared about what the trailer shows. Mm. Um, but we we... We had those experiences completely opposite. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. So I'm also somebody who shushed somebody before Jojo Rabbit mm-hmm. <laughs> this weekend. So this this group formed around us as we were waiting to go into our screening. And there was like, man, this scene. And I was like, uh, excuse us. We're waiting to go into the theater right now. Could you please not stand with us in your circle? Because like, we were yeah. standing there first and they formed a circle around us to start talking about the film. And I was like, yo, come on. And I usually, usually I'm just like, la, la, la. And I walk through, but. Was it Steven Merchant and his SS crew? Like, hallelujah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyways, Stephen Miller, you've already mentioned that you very much enjoyed this film, mm-hmm. but what did you really think about Parasite? Yeah. So, so, okay. So my bias, as you mentioned, of not wanting it to be spoiled is it, it's the thing that can only happen at a festival. Like probably in our TIFF reviews too, we mentioned multiple times, like it's best to go in blind. It's best to go in blind. Like you, you get this bias when you watch a movie a certain way. Yeah. And for Cannes, that is probably the most extreme because literally no one has seen this movie yeah. before you go in. Like, and you, you, you do you even have much of a description beforehand? No, zero description. Oh, okay. Zero. I had, you have like title, director. Yeah, I had Bong and... Joon-ho. Parasite. That was yeah, it. Yeah. That, that's everything I knew about this movie going in. And the Korean name that I, I had to learn how to write to beg for tickets, but I don't remember what it is now. <laughs> it starts with a G. Um, it, it was probably like horribly wrong yeah. and you were saying something horrible and they were just like, just give it to him. He's, he, yeah. Yep. Um, I, I want to say Gesundheit, but that's, <laughs> that's maybe I still have Jojo on the brain when she, he says a Jew. <laughs> um, anyway, so this premiered the same day as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood premiered. So... So this premiered the same day as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood premiered. And so all day at Cannes, that was everyone begging to get into the Tarantino movie. Like, it's nuts. It's crazy. And compared to that, this Bong Joon-ho film that was appearing afterwards was kind of... I don't want to say an afterthought, because every premiere is a big deal there. But it's like, the craziness had vanished already. And I'd been out for like six hours trying to get these fucking Tarantino tickets <laughs> to no avail. Like I, that was the one movie that I like could not get into the premiere of. I had to see it the next day. Um, and I was so defeated. I was going to give up for the day. And then right before Parasite started, somebody handed me like a really good seat and I went in and watched it. And so you go in, you know, nothing. It's Bong Joon-ho. The name is Parasite. The last Bong Joon-ho movie you watched, not like chronologically from release but like the last one i had seen was the host so i was thinking parasite another monster movie awesome this is going to be a crazy <laughs> genrefied <laughs> sci-fi thriller great and then the movie starts and i think like the genre of parasite is so hard to pin down even when you have seen it and you know everything about it but watching it linearly and not knowing anything you don't know what it's about you don't know anything about what's going to happen you don't know what tone it is is it a comedy is it going to be a horror is it going to be an action movie is all of this like set up for a crazy sci-fi thing like you have no idea right yeah and watching it in that setting i just had this feeling of like this is a master filmmaker jerking me around (laughs) and he can do like 
anything to me and I'm going to follow him there now. Uh, Like that was the feeling that this movie gave, which is not what every festival film gives you, right? Sometimes you're like, I get what they're doing, but oh, they're trying really hard, you know, or like, all right, this is a little too artsy. Let's get to the good stuff. But I feel like this movie is just such a, like, it felt like so crowd pleasing, but also so like socially resonant. And it like had a message and it has tricks up its sleeve. And it's like, I think just brilliantly directed. It's a comedy in a foreign language that makes me laugh, which like is very difficult. Like comedy is really hard to translate. Yeah. Um, it has moments of horror. It has moments that get your pulse racing. And like when the movie ended, I kind of felt like I I think that was the best thing I've seen here. <laughs> but I also don't understand. Like, like <laughs> it didn't like compute, right? Because yeah, it, it yeah. is not the type of movie that you would normally feel that way for. Um, so yeah, I, I thought like just that first experience of like knowing nothing and just being completely like pulled into this strange movie that never really tips its hand about what's going to happen next. Um, yeah. I like, I love that experience. I wouldn't trade it. I, I've seen it again and I loved it the second time still. So like, I'll grant you, it's still a great movie, but I think like th- the power of it for me is how many genres like Bong Joon-ho can blend simultaneously and still keep you on board. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's one of the least artsy seeming movies that's going to get all the artsy raves, right? Like, this is not Roma. This is not a, like, like arm's length, like, artistic movie where you watch, like, somebody mopping for five minutes, right? This is a, like, <laughs> this is a movie that I think is easy to get into. It's easy to understand. But the more you think about it, the more you're just like, man, he, like, he just crafted that, like, that Jenga tower so perfectly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's what I still can't verbalize what I love about it. I just think it's such a perfect, ambiguous genre, crowd pleasing movie with like a message and with substance and with a ton of style. And it, yeah, I, I just think it's great. And I think any real description of like what makes a great doesn't explain anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought that Parasite was uh, a pr- pretty amazing film, um, and it's incredibly entertaining. Like, I, 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 I knew it was getting good things, but it was really, that, like, seeing that trailer that really drew me in, and I know that, like, you felt like the trailer gave a lot away, and I was still, like, I have no idea where this film was going. I, as you mentioned, yeah. all of the dialogue stuff in the trailer is all from the first like 15, 20 minutes of the film. And then you see little flashes of thing with zero context of yeah. other parts of the film, but you really don't know, like you know the basic setup, which is what I described at the beginning. And then it goes forward and it's like, you have a premise and you're working with this premise and another film, any other film you're like, okay, I have this premise. I'm watching this person see how long they can get away with this con and I know that there's no way this con can last the whole movie. Yeah. Something's going to go horribly awry. And we don't know what's going to be the situation that will come about from it. This film is like, I'll give you that premise. Yep. But now I'm going to double down, triple down, quadruple down. <laughs> so, Almost to the point down. where it feels like it's going to be too much. And then yeah. like when it starts to, th- you think it's going to be repetitive. It's like, I right, fuck it. I'll do like, I know where you are now. Yeah. I'm going to throw everything off the table <laughs> yeah yeah and then it's like and now we're gonna have this movie mm-hmm. and it's it as you said it is a very masterfully told story where the story the the premise the story that is the premise is not really everything the film is about it's it's the how 
high can we stack this, as you said, Jenga tower, before you start to freak out about what happens when you pull a block out, right? Yeah. When the Jenga tower starts, it's this nice, solid mass, and everybody knows, like, oh, I can just tap, 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 take out all these center blocks. And once you've done all the alternating center blocks, you're like, okay, now every block that I take is potentially disaster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think that this film draws you along and kind of makes you laugh as the blocks are built up. Like you're you're kind of like, oh yeah, they're gonna be, oh that's funny. Like there's no way this is gonna work. And mm -hmm. then you're just you're enjoying how ridiculous the premise of what um this person is trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> um but then it just gets deadly serious yep. like really quickly and you're just like Was that a trailer quote? <laughs> Is that, is I'm that deadly serious. <laughs> I'm deadly serious. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where like it builds and builds and builds until you forget the film that you're watching. Mm -hmm. And it makes you comfortable with where everything was going so that when things become uncomfortable, the level of discrepancy between how comfortable you are and how much you've been enjoying the silliness of the situation just adds a level of gravity and um, just intenseness that you it just you kind of just like are literally on the edge of your seat for the whole movie. Yeah. Even if it's just to reach forward and get some more of that pizza. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think like I'm I'm trying to think of what else one can say without really spoiling it. I guess one thing is you can like the the themes can be discussed a little bit. So <clears throat> a lot of movies this year have been about class. I guess like spoilers, we're in a time when people are thinking about that a lot, <laughs> and that clearly transcends American politics. That is clearly like on everyone's mind right yeah. now. Um, and I think this movie just does that so well. Like it, it's kind of it's a parable about like how the other half lives, like about like the lower the lower class and the upper class. And it it at least starts by feeling like we are pitting the one versus the other. And we're going to show you how they get their comeuppance, right? Like how they pull a Robin Hood, right? And they're going to find a way to steal from the rich you know they're they're gonna they're gonna make a life for themselves because of these naive rich people and as it goes on it, it like i won't say how it complicates it but it complicates yeah. the hell out of that a lot and it doesn't lose the core power of that message it makes it like more acidic almost like it yeah it, it feels like it's doing something like really biting and really interesting with that initial premise as it starts to talk about like the cyclic nature of it and the way that like this perpetuates itself and it I don't, we can talk in spoilers well, it, too but i feel like it has a lot of really interesting things to say and it's not heavy-handed like it it does it while telling a masterful story yeah but it's also like it's one of those things where it starts as this is a victimless crime mm -hmm. right like for the most part if you're not qualified to be somebody who can teach a korean child english but you can teach a Korean child English. Like if if you happen to be a good student mm -hmm. and you could teach them just because you've literally never worked as a tutor before yeah. doesn't mean that you're really hurting the family by helping the child learn English. A right? thousand American kids who went abroad after high school have learned <laughs> the same lesson. True. I can be an English teacher. So So like there is not a real crime there. This right. is... A family with excessive wealth, 
who is very naive, is really oblivious to the goings about of all of the people in the family and the people in society and the people they interact with. And they kind of just throw things to the wind. So being able to take advantage of them isn't really hurting them because they're getting what they want. They're not paying attention to you anyways. So why not survive on that? Mm. But it is also a story about people who could just get by with what, like they, it's a good situation. Like it's about, it's about, it's about greed from, it's like, the wealth and the obliviousness of wealth and the 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 people trying to fight for that wealth and then what happens when you get a little bit of it mm-hmm. and like the greed of just wanting to take more even though like you're totally fine yeah <laughs> like like the one person working this little tutoring job gives this family enough money to like have them increase their level of living right incredibly but that might not be enough mm-hmm. <laughs> for people, right? Yeah. And it, it's, it's just, it's doing a lot. And to, to see the levels at which somebody might go to turn what is a victimless crime into what is a very much a victim crime yeah, <laughs> is very interesting. And it's like the way you sort of root for and then get scared of yeah. <laughs> certain things is uh, very compelling in the story. Yeah, and I think a lot of that for me comes down to watching it a second time. I really was following the arc of uh, the father character, uh, Kang Ho Song, who was in The Host and Snowpiercer. So he seems like kind of a Bong Joon-ho regular. Um, Because he kind of, he has a certain character growth in the movie. Like his relationship to the con changes over time. And he is at once like the most content seeming, but then also the most willing to do whatever it takes to keep it. And I thought, yeah. I think it's, it's really interesting to hone in on like individual characters too, and see how they, where they start versus where they end yeah. and like what subtle, almost like microaggressions, like change their feeling throughout the course of the movie. But we can talk about that in so, spoilers. So there was one thing which I, I feel comfortable talking about pre-spoilers. Mm-hmm. It is technically a spoiler, but it, it relates to something you see in the trailer, which is, um, the kids forging a diploma from the school that the the boy supposedly graduated for, yeah. who's going to be the tutor. And he shows this fake diploma to his dad. And I, I don't understand the interaction that happened right there, but the dad seems disappointed that it's not a real diploma. And mm-hmm. he's trying to tell the dad that, like, this is just so that I can get the job. But once I make enough money, I will go to the school and yeah. get the same diploma. Yeah, because I, I think the dad wants to provide for him. The dad wants to be in a place where he could live that life yeah, to begin yeah. with. But like, given the nature of how the family is living and their willingness to like do sneaky things um, mm-hmm. just to survive, um, it seems strange. Like, it felt like he was sort of like reprimanding the son for faking to get this degree yeah. when he should really get the degree. But obviously he can't get the degree because yeah. he didn't have the money to go to the university. So it, it just – that little interaction was sort of a strange thing that I'm, I didn't 100% understand. Because, um, like, it, at first it seems like he was proud of him for, like, faking the diploma. Yeah. But then he was upset that it wasn't real. And the kid was, like, ensuring him that he will get the diploma for real mm-hmm. once he's done with this con. And I just – I it, it was a weird interaction that was like the only part of the movie where it, like it pulled me out because I was confused at what the yeah, relationship I've, dynamic was. Even seeing it twice, I still don't fully understand that interaction, and that's kind of the first time we see the the subject of the con come up. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt, but I don't understand necessarily what's going on there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. 
Yeah, I don't know if it, it, it might be a cultural thing mm. that just didn't transpose itself to yeah. my brain, but cool yeah cool <laughs> anyways what, uh, were, were you about to say something before i brought that up or i don't think so i okay. i think i would suggest we maybe pivot to spoilers because dancing around things is going to be maybe more difficult than just diving into them yeah, yeah makes sense um so uh we will go ahead and give everybody our official verdicts for the film and then we'll work our way into a special after spoiler segment for the thing um but stephen miller if you're going to give this a must-see Recommend the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Um, Must-see, easily. I think this is just a fantastic movie, and apparently overselling it can't hurt it. (laughs) So (laughs) even if I tell you that, you're still going to like it, (laughs) so go see it anyway. Yeah, um, I think... uh, Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's a must-see for me as well. Uh, I, I, I I was trying to, like, put into words why overselling it can't hurt it. Mm. And I think that the journey that all characters involved go on is complicated enough in a good way that there's so much uh, growth or at least experience happening in the film that, like, as long as you don't fall asleep in it, like, I I can't imagine you getting to, like, the three-quarters mark and not being like, holy shit. Right. (laughs) I am fucking engaged right now. Somebody bring me some popcorn. And and so take note, if it's 20 minutes in and they're just like still doing the con and you feel an urge to laugh extra just to prove how much you love it, don't worry. The movie is going to surprise you. The movie is going to do stuff with you. The movie is going to have the last laugh. You don't need to help it along. It's doing fine on its own. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that is two must-sees from us. Um, yeah, we're going to close out, as I said, and then we'll get to spoilers. So for right now, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? People can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Parasite, so hopefully you are enjoying that. Um, that music is going to play. It's going to fade up. We're going to disappear. And when the music fades back down and we return... We will bring you a a We'll be hiding in plain parasite. All right, we are back. We are in full-blown spoiler territory. This is the after part of our review of Parasite, and we are going to be talking full-blown spoilers for the film Parasite. Um, as we, like earlier in the episode, we were beating around the bush, kind of talking about this one child in a family who tries to trick trick a wealthy um, mother into hiring him to be the uh, tutor for her daughter um, to teach her English. And uh, what we haven't been getting to is the fact that this spirals into an experience for which he, uh, this this son, slowly brings in the sister, then the father, mm-hmm. then the mother, and they continually work the entire family to replace all of the the servant staff, like yeah. the the help basically yep. for the family. They replace all of them and then begin taking over everything for the family, which 
first of all, is interesting because like they are doing the work. Yeah. <laughs> right. They are doing all those things. Yeah. And it is funny to the level to which they are able to do it. Like at first you think that like when the sister comes in and starts to be um, the teacher of the young boy who's sort of had like a traumatic experience that has changed his ability to sort of interact with other people. She comes in with this strictness that seems like she's trying to push everybody away, which you assume is just her like, I literally have no skills at all. So Yeah, her blessed her. Yeah, I don't want you to be around visibly because I literally can't teach this chill. But like she like snaps that kid into shape and like it seems to be masterfully dealing with whatever this experience is that he had. Like she's pretending to be an art therapist, um, somebody who does therapy through art. Yeah. Um, but like apparently she's really good at that. Yeah. Yeah, and like the the dad, you know, he kind of makes up a story about being a driver, but he seems to be a good driver, you know, like so he does. Did, did I I interpreted it as he actually was he originally a driver mm-hmm. when he was younger, but like mm-hmm. now there's rideshare apps, or yeah. I don't I don't know. What. Yeah, so th- there's a few different ways to read all of that, right? <clears throat> one one is that they are really good at it, and that's just the thing, you know, they're deserving of it. Another is that this family doesn't know or care about the reality of the situation. They just need someone under them, yeah. right? Like someone doing doing anything for them. Yeah, yeah. And then the other is that all of the help are like mostly lying and it's all just about tricking rich people into paying you. Yeah, yeah, which, which yeah. definitely appears to be what the case is as mm-hmm. more and more information is revealed. I mean... Yeah. A parasite is a thing that, like, parasite infects a host, lives within them, and mm-hmm. eventually you either take over the host, kill it, and then hope that something else, like, eats the remains so you can become a parasite for that. Yeah. Or you just live as a symbiotic thing, leeching off <laughs> of that uh, that creature or yeah. habitat or whatever it is and living indefinitely off of all the resources that that thing gathers on its own. Um, So this is definitely a family who is trying to do that. Unfortunately, they seem to be the type of parasite who overindulges Mm -hmm. in in, uh, what is being offered by the host family in this case. They're the Um, mosquito that, like, drinks so much it explodes. Yeah, (laughs) basically. Um, But, yeah, I I definitely think that this family seems to have skills, Mm -hmm. but they have... Um, they have sort of become complacent in the life that they have, and they're used to just like, we'll do whatever we need to to, you know, we'll fold fold pizza boxes um, all night long so that we can make a few bucks, so that we can eat some food, and then yeah. we're fine living in this basement because we don't care because this is just sort of the life that we have. Um, mm-hmm. And they do seem to have manageable skills. Like I take it to be that every single one of, the, I mean. The the mother is cooking and cleaning of the house. So, like, her her skill set is something that she would have had just inherently being that role for the family anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, like, the father, I believe that he was a driver because when he's recant- recounting his years of being a driver, it's not to the host family. It's to his family mm-hmm. when they haven't even realized they need a driver yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what what's really interesting is there is a fun aspect to seeing how they, like... When he first tries to get the sister involved, you're like, okay, okay, yeah. uh, okay, you people, this is funny. Yeah. And then once you start to see the levels to which these people, like, we have we have the the rich family 
who doesn't really care about who they're hiring. They just want somebody who's come recommended by somebody. So they'll take basically anybody Mm -hmm. as long as somebody has put in a good word for them. But they're sort of not really paying attention and they don't really care enough to be there to evaluate those people. But then the family themselves, they also don't care about whose job they're taking or what they do to that person. And that's when the story starts to become very interesting. Because at first it's like, this person left or whatever the reason is. He gifted you the job. Yeah, yeah. Like this person said like, hey, you could do this job that I just was doing. Just don't sleep with the girl. <laughs> yeah, just don't sleep with the girl because I have dibs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's very much a innocent thing. Like, hey, I was faking my way through it. You can fake your way through it. I'm going to go off and travel the world or whatever I was going to do. You go do this thing. But like once the sister gets there and goes like, huh, I think I can uh, convince the family this guy made a pass at me uh, or somebody else in the car. And, like, that's going to stick with him. Mm -hmm. Like, I assume getting fired because you slept with somebody in your boss's car (laughs) is probably something that, like, if you had to call for references, is going to be passed to the next person. (laughs) Well, then the housekeeper especially. Yeah, yeah. The one who's been there forever, right? Yeah, but it's not – that's the thing, though, is with the housekeeper – this person is allergic to fucking peaches mm-hmm. and they are dusting her with peach fuzz. <laughs> like, sure, their stated goal is to make it sound like she has some respiratory illness, mm-hmm. but that's, they're, she's fucking allergic. Yeah. You have to know she could die. Oh, and she will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that is the slow deterioration of what they're willing to do. And I, yeah. I think that's one of the things that is so masterful about the movie is it it gives you characters you want to root for and it has the tone for a while of rooting for them. Even through that, like the, the tuberculosis scene, I feel like is like wonderfully done. It's just like one of those great, like yeah. everything comes together at the exact right moment. And then he does like the icing on top with the hot sauce and the napkin and like yeah, yeah. everything just seems so perfect. But in the back of your head, you're starting to be like, this is kind of, this is fucked up, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. And, and the movie is like, like, yeah, you leave, let that sit there for a little while. And then it, over the course of the movie, as we learn about the underground, yeah, yeah. they blow that wide open where it becomes a literal, like, you are screwing over these people. Like, you are choosing your life over their life. And I think it it wants to condemn the main characters a bit while also mostly condemning the world that forces them to fight amongst themselves to get scraps right from yeah, the rich yeah. people um but yeah i love like i love that they are not just heroes like everyone has a flaw like everyone has a thing that you can't really respect throughout the whole movie and it's like not afraid to make them all make really selfish decisions yeah yeah and it's just the level to which they're willing to go to achieve those goals. And that's the thing, too, is so we, we as, as, as you kind of you, you kind of like hurried over it, but we we discover that the previous house, the maid woman, yeah. <laughs> she her husband was living in the basement in a secret compartment that's left <laughs> over from like the war. Yeah. And she has been just keeping him alive down there for years. So when she got fired, it wasn't just her loving that family and now being cast aside it was literally life and death for her husband who was just in a secret compartment underground and when the family realizes that they could they could realize that they're in a standoff and negotiate 
keeping both of them alive down there and mm. letting them live there. Instead, they are worried once again with this greed about losing what they have yep. and where they're at. And it turns into a thing where once again, both parties who could work together for the it, – it's – it's so another, maybe another manifestation of the term parasite is right. right. Like you could create a symbiotic relationship with the other parasites, but instead mm-hmm. you're going to try to like completely take over the host yeah. and make sure that you're the only thing that can feed and move on and, and spread. And yeah. it's just, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic that it goes from being like fun and lighthearted and silly how this family is slowly kind trying to take over all the jobs that this family pays people to do mm-hmm. and it becomes darker and darker and darker and more and more sinister to the point where people are literally stabbing yeah. people in front of whole series of 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 hosts uh, yeah. or or guests in in the, in the house um yeah yeah i i just love the way that devolves and i think that I, I mean, the whole movie is great, but for me, the real turning point is the moment you discover the underground. I think that's when like people's jaws start to drop, probably. <laughs> and, and the amount of time, yeah, the amount of time you spend uh, diving down yeah, into the dungeon, and like you're like, what? What's gonna? It could be anything. What's gonna yeah. be there? It could be. I. It, it could be the last thirty-seven uh, housemaid yeah. women. Like it's it, like. I don't know what's going to be down there. And you're just waiting for it. And then what you get is a man chained to a bed who has to drink from a bottle. Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah. There, so there, there is a there is a, a banned episode of The X-Files, which mm-hmm. aired once on Fox and never aired again until they did special FX late night screenings of this. And it was about a family who was like an insular family who – like all of the boys in the family were like producing offspring with the mother who was strapped to like a gurney that was shoved under a bed in a back room. And like anybody who tried to come to the house, they would kill. And it was like this really crazy thing. And it was like, I was getting vibes of that. Like what kind of weird shit is going to be down in this basement? Yeah. And it was like, I was just on the edge of my seat. And it was like that sort of uh, the exhaustion that you get by the time you see that reveal. And then it's even creepier for some reason that it's just a guy who really needs to drink with this Yeah. It's just, it's, it, it, it sort of like blew my mind. And then when you're like, but now what is going to yeah. happen? Yeah, and then like like so that sequence is followed by like a great act of just silent physical comedy as they get stuck under the table, you know, while while the family is asleep yeah, yeah, yeah. and they need to escape. And from there, I think it's my favorite sequence of the movie. And and there's many sequences I love in this movie, but when they are like returning to their home and it has gone just like sci-fi is the wrong word, but it's gone something, right? It's gone like full hyper real yeah. where they are like descending like the shit is literally hitting yeah, the fan. yeah they're descending into their like underground home and it's like there's like sewage water coming in and they're having to like dive into it and it just is so like i think it does the thing i tweeted right after the premiere which was because i hadn't really seen many bong joon home movies but was that like this movie does everything snowpiercer wants to do and like a hundred other things yeah. like everything snowpiercer wants to do of like the brutality of the people in the back of the train as they try to work forward in the train and like the the devastation of that and like the feeling of going from low to high like 
I feel like this movie, just with like the little flourishes where it's like, we know how to build a labyrinth. Like we know how to build a world that yeah. feels hyper real and crazy. And we're going to give you it just for like three minutes, just to remind you that we can. <laughs> and then we're going to go back to this regular life again. Yeah, um, But that's the thing about that that makes that scene so interesting yeah. is that like they have just escaped from the destruction that they have wrought. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they think they can just return home. Yeah. But, like, the home is literally gone. Yeah, like, the like, rot has spread, Yeah, basically. like, they, they, they cannot return to what they had before. Mm-hmm. And that's symbolic by, like, just the rush of everything coming down on them. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're in the end game now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so a bunch of people smarter than me, including uh, your partner, Jamie, and others, <laughs> have compared this to us. And I actually hadn't really thought about that when I watched it. But the idea of, like the other half living underground that are just like wanting to relive the life of above, like the man who's stuck down there, who his whole life, he like in a great sight gag that is also moving. I think he controls the automatic light, right? Like it is just him hitting his head against the light. So the the master of the house can like. (laughs) Assumingly he, he didn't always use his head. Right. But because he's been tied and gagged, or bound, no, yeah, he's sure. been bound and gagged, so he has yeah. to... But but so even before he's bound and gagged, he has yeah. always been doing this somehow. He's always been slavishly being like, yes, on, on, on. Yeah. And it's like this, this dark look at like, what is all that luxury built on top of? You know, yeah, these conveniences, yeah. these things that you think are just like a nicety of a house like it's actually built on like the yeah. bones of other people right who gr- who grinds the cockroaches yeah in the cello yeah <laughs> and i uh, but no yeah like once yeah. again it's it's another parasitic relationship of like right. i just enjoy the lavish luxury of having the lights turn on when i come mm-hmm. home could it be apple's home kit it could be mm-hmm. could it also be the man locked in my basement yeah Probably is. <laughs> right. And, and I just think that that idea of like the darkness at the root of luxury, at the root of wealth and capitalism is like, again, it, it's clear why everyone is exploring it because the last few years that's like really been a sentiment that's been rising. But I feel like like this movie does that so, so well. And I think the comparison with us and probably there are other movies this year too that really tackle this. And it, it just feels like a an interesting theme. The idea of like, literal underground like yeah, the, yeah. I, I don't know I, I really like that of like the other world that's just this twisted mirror image of the real one like the the home that the family lives in right they go down 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 yeah, they yeah. are like underground they're the they're the parasites right they're they're like they're like living in the sewers and crawling yeah, out there yeah. and in, in a way like i kind of joked how like i i did think this was going to be like the host like a monster movie but i don't think it's a coincidence that like there was the host and the parasite and the host was like this creature that was an embodiment of like the greed of capitalism right it was like people coming in and polluting everything and they created this big monster that just takes and takes and takes and now this is like the human element of like the people that all they want now is to get a part of that monster, right? Yeah. And the way that that, like, makes them all be... Evil feels like the wrong word, but do wickedness, right? Like, it, but, it so, makes them all kind of monstrous. But that's the thing is the the initial family... Uh, or, sorry, the initial... The, the, old, the, the man and the woman 
the maid and the husband that lives below, um, they are symbiotic parasites with that family. Like mm. the the man lives underground. He operates the automatic lights. Yeah. He, which it's amazing to me that the family like literally, literally never even thought like clearly that man was doing that for the people who owned the house beforehand. Uh-huh. And it's just because, because like they say that like when they bought the house, that family was like, oh yeah, you should have her work here. She yeah. already knows the whole house. It's great. Um, So like it's, it's already a thing where like they are they they have found this like symbiotic relationship where they can work together, everyone's happy, they're not taking too many resources from the family, they are providing good things to the family and everything was fine, but when that equilibrium equilibrium gets thrown out of balance and the other family comes in and just like eats everything and just like takes over and just ruins that that's when they become violent and that's when they want to go but they still have like like no matter what happens when when like the the wife the 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 woman dies and the husband is like mad and going insane and thinks he's going to be down there forever and knows he's going to die he still like needs to do that thing because he has this sort of almost religious religious connection to that relationship of I'm doing the lights for you when you yeah. like I worship the ground literally the right, ground yeah. that you walk yeah, on they like, become God to yeah him, yeah yeah so it's been, and even though like technically he's the God for that guy right he's like fucking having my lights where this is amazing yeah and as long as we're talking about that guy can we talk about Chekhov's rock in this movie <laughs> yeah. like that like this is a movie that telegraphs so many things and you still will never know where it's going but yeah, like yeah. there's it's just amazing like this rock that the kid gets at the beginning of the movie and we just watch it and like. When that guy finally is using it to smash the kid's head, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. things are really brutal here. Like, yeah. like there's a scene that is played for laughs where the the mother character is trying to get out from underground and not let the uh, the Park family <clears throat> be aware of what's yeah. going on, and she makes it out, and the the older maid is like climbing out to join her, and she like just kicks her Back and closes her the door the and like maybe my recollection is wrong but i feel like that's a laugh line in the movie like, oh, it's, I, like it's, I think the audience is cracking the audience that. laughs yeah. insanely loud because it is it is semi-comedic yeah. in the moment because yeah. it, it's it's the there is the like it's sort of like charlie chaplin-esque mm-hmm. as they can try to like bounce these plates that are spinning in the air and like yeah. what is going to happen and then all of a sudden you're like this is it this is when it and then she just like quickly back kicks like a, like a horse kick like yep. backward and just boots her down the stairs and she just tumbles down like a cartoon character yeah yeah and you we laugh and then we learn she died <laughs> well she doesn't quite die yet. i mean she she gets a concussion from that and then she yeah. dies like, yeah she's also had peaches like shoved in her face sure like, yeah she's basically got like a lot of problems that are gonna make it so she can't make it from yeah, there but that, that's true yeah yeah but, I'm but, surprised that there's even the scene where she's like barely alive after that, mm-hmm. where she's sort of like, I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they definitely they definitely go dark. And yeah. so like even the guy villain is the wrong word for the guy underground. Like he's from his perspective, he's like right about how he's feeling. Like yeah, yeah. he's been living down here. His wife like died because of these greedy people who yeah. took everything from him. Of course, he's gonna want to smash the kid's head in with the rock. Yeah, yeah. and uh, like another thing, I think is just so clever in a kind of twisted way is like, so this party is going on upstairs, and at this point too, the whole uh, the whole family is kind of 
starting to sour, like at least uh, Mr. Mr. Kim, is that his name? I, I think so. And the, the, the father character, he definitely is starting to feel unhappy because there's been these things that have been happening, like the smell, right? That's a recurring yeah. thing of the the main hosts of the house are like complaining about his smell and they have this kind of like dislike of of him. Like no matter what he does for them, no matter how good a driver he is, he will never be close to them. Like he can have all of this luxury, but he's still always just going to be this parasite, right? This thing that can get called on a Saturday, even after he has the worst night of his life and he'll have to show up because they're paying him and he'll have to paint his face and pretend to kidnap someone so like the kid can be the hero you know yeah. he'll always be the butt of the joke and then they're staging this thing this fake like native american abduction <laughs> and out walks this guy with actual blood painted on his face to look like he's like dressed up like just another person in the scene with an actual knife and he actually stabs somebody yeah. i just feel like it, it's just like all the like all the pieces coming together at the yeah. exact right moment it just seems like perfect to me how everything falls in place. Yeah. Even the blood too, like there's blood shown in the trailer from that scene, but there had been blood earlier in the fake tuberculosis thing that feels to me like it was like throwing you off a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, maybe there won't be violence in this movie, right? Maybe this is just that clever little twist, but then it feels like everything is like teeing up something later yeah. in like a really, really nice symmetric way. Well, it's like we, we talked about when we were discussing the trailer after the film that like the... I knew there was violence because that was the one thing the trailer does get away. There's definitely that rock is going to be used to smash somebody's head. I just didn't know whose and how far into the film it was yeah. going to be used. Um, um, so, th- so I definitely was waiting for the violence to erupt. But that we at that moment in time, we had already seen plenty of violence. You yeah. don't really know how that's going to work. Um, but I also like that like there are so many things that we've kind of referenced. But there's also sort of this whole um, like the alligator and the scorpion or whatever the parable is of like crossing the river and shit like mm-hmm. that. Because there's a little bit like that, right? Like is his – he can stop the guy and save the family. But in the end – this is when he realizes that I will never be them. I will always be the scary thing. I am the guy who's stabbing the family right now. I might as well just stab the family because I am the scorpion. Like, that's what I do. I stab the family, right? And like, there's just like a really interesting thing of just all hope in that moment is lost. They, They almost got caught, barely escaped, returned to home to find everything lost. Their only thing is to go back and try to mend it there. It's clearly failed there, too. They have nothing left. All that matters now is, like, what can I have control of in this moment? Because I have control of nothing else. Mm-hmm. And he takes, like, he chooses to participate in, like, the stabbing of the family. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know, there's, there's something very interesting about that, like, turn in the giving in to, like, even that moment, like, everything's in slow-mo, so it's, like, extra heightened. Yeah. But, like, in all the commotion, like, there are people bleeding People running around with knives, people fighting, and the dad still has to go like the smell. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not the blood, the violence, and the cacophony yeah. of the backyard. It's that smell again. Yeah. This smell. Why is he smelling? Why is he not throwing me the keys? Right. And it it, it just I I don't know, I love that sort of transition of the like fuck yeah, it. This I, is it's time to eat the host. <laughs> yeah, it's like the real class warfare thing. It's like the realization like I'm never gonna win just being pit against these other people fuck it you know yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just gonna go for blood instead yeah um yeah the only cri- it's a light criticism this is like a return of the king type criticism i have 
I think this movie has like at least two better places it could have ended <laughs> and then it keeps going. Yeah. Um, well, real fast before we okay. move on to that, I, I just wanted to say one more thing about, because you, you sort of talked about Chekhov's Rock and right. then we kind of like use that as a launching pad to, to the rest of the, to the rest of the violence at the end of the film. But I just wanted to say real fast before we leave, just what I love about the rock and the child is as, as we started this episode off, we talked about how this film starts with a victimless crime and spreads and more and more victims begin to pile up as Mm -hmm. the story continues. But I mean, you can't justify the actions taken, but all of the actions uh, speaking of, episodes that i haven't released uh are sort of death of dick long style where it's like the situation gets out of hand and something bad happens and in the attempts to make sure nothing more bad happens more bad things happen it's most of the interactions are spur of the moment i thought of something that can and it's not taking into consideration what you're doing the rock is the boy who is the one person who hasn't tried to poison anybody yet, really, hasn't tried to cost anybody else their job, um, has just tried to take over with this one job, and he's really just interested in, like, hooking up with the girl, right? Mm -hmm. He just wants to, like, have money and hook up with the girl. Yeah. Victimless crime. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But he, in that moment, goes, everything is falling apart. I can fix this. If I take the rock and I kill the guy downstairs... Mm -hmm. There's no problem anymore. I've solved the problem. I can step up. I can be the man of the family. Yeah. I can fix everyone's trouble. We've lost our house. All that's important is us fixing this job situation. I can make everything better. And he goes above and beyond in a bad way. Like he is he is attempting to to commit premeditated murder, mm-hmm. which is the furthest anybody has gone to in the right. family before that moment. And it's he was originally there. Everything's nice. Oh, you want somebody else to do something? I can think of somebody. And then it spirals out of control. And this is the this is the moment where he is completely in control of his thoughts. He has time to think about it. He sits there, decides to keep the rock, brings the rock, waits till everybody else is busy, and then takes that moment to try to sneak downstairs and basically sets everything else in this yeah, entire... Yeah, he unleashes it, yeah, so the he, underground. He is the one who starts the most innocent and becomes the most mm-hmm. parasitic. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just, I really love that, that, that sort of transition happens and it sort of like completely goes full circle and makes sure that nobody is good yeah. or even remotely uh, justifiable in the story yeah. because he's the one that like, I need to do this as to be the person. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. He definitely goes through maybe the steepest arc. And I, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the endings that I'm, I'm talking about. So there's a motif I think is really good. It's yet another thing that was teed up earlier in the movie that you can tell is going to be paid off. And it's the use of the lights as a kind of Morse code. I think this movie would have been, wonderful if we saw the kid walk out to the hill see the lights realize that they're flashing a message and that's it right like end the movie because yeah. we can extrapolate the rest right like we get it already we already probably knew that the the dad probably hid there you know and this is just like a little way of them communicating but okay great you you want to have the monologue i get it monologue is great like the the father talking about what he did the son getting to talk about his ambition, 
that closing scene on the lawn where they're in the light and he's coming to it, also great, right? Like, I get that as the ending, too. Instead, we get, like, an ending after that where the kid is back in his regular life and he's just, like, thinking about what he's going to do. And then the movie ends. And I feel I feel like this movie has too many endings. Like, I feel like yeah. it doesn't need all of these. Well, I, So, what I thought was originally going to happen is that you would think that the cycles continue, but because of the tragedy that this family caused, the house is unsellable, and then the dad just dies down there mm-hmm. because there's nobody to be able to sneak him in food or anything like that. And instead... Are we supposed to believe that the kid actually grew up and bought the house? I, I think that... it's just his aspiration. Okay, that's his his Florida project yeah. ending. <laughs> yeah, I think he is telling his wish when the reality is the dad is going to die there. Okay, right? so it's both endings, basically. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think you get both. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I still like it fine, just is. I, yeah, I, yeah. I just feel like the my crisp brain was like, there's no way the dad typed all that in Morse code. This is a really long message. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it, it I, I mean, the way I understood it is he just sent the same message every night yep. in the hopes that his son would one day notice and mm. translate the message. And it, it would be very touching to just end with him like, drink more Ovaltine. And <laughs> yeah. then like being like, oh, cool, dad is still alive but definitely gonna die and everything's cool um but yeah it it definitely also could the dad was the dad trapped or was he able to come in and out of his own as long as that there was food in the house he could still come out at night and and take stuff we don't know like in the in the flash forward that may or may not be real I think we see the dad being able to come out on his own. Yeah. But then I think the film has set up that the lever has been broken. So the only way to open it is from the outside okay. now. I believe so. Because I, f- yeah, I, I think that's true. Okay. Um, but I'm not sure. Because did, t- did the crazy guy take the lever when he walked out or something? I feel like he did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And how did he close the door? I think they like climb up and have to kick it closed like the the mechanism for opening it is broken opening and closing yeah yeah but you can only do the pushing from the outside so if the father snuck in to hide he would have to have the lever to yeah i forget if he shows it maybe it shows it i don't don't remember but yeah so i think the idea was that so long as there was a family living there the father could live on by simply sneaking out at night and stealing stuff um but the because that family moved out when they found out about what happened there and nobody else bought the place, there wouldn't be food for him to sneak out and steal. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't quite cover this why he couldn't just like because well, I think there's the a German family night. living there too, but I don't know if that's a fake future or a he real just future. doesn't like sausages. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we all we all got our taste. Sauerkraut again. <laughs> so, the, only, the only other thing I wanted to say is I feel like between Last year's Palm Door winner, Shoplifters, and this, it's been a good two years for, like, movies about non-traditional lower-class families yeah. in, like, in Asian countries. And I do think this probably isn't true there. But here, at least in movies, there's definitely the stereotype of the, like, the Asian family being, like, the model citizens or the, like, overly strict or, like, the overly puritanical. And I feel like these two movies both do such a good job of having, like, 
immensely flawed families that you still like root for and love even as they do terrible things and i i I just really like that it feels like a good counterbalance to a lot of the the kind of films that we are used to trickling into america i feel like yeah yeah Yeah. and then and then there there was one last thing that we haven't covered at all that i just wanted to mention real fast that i thought was just brilliant is um the young boy of the family um we don't know what it is but he has had some sort of traumatic event in his life mm-hmm. he paints he draws with crayon these scary drawings he doesn't talk a lot he doesn't quite behave doesn't want to do his studies all because of some event that we get little tiny nuggets of information about but we don't really get told about and then we find out partway through the film um, right before the reveal that there's a man living in a secret basement that the family doesn't know about, that when he was um, like a little bit younger, he saw a ghost and that traumatized him. And then when we find out that like the ghost was the husband that was living in the basement coming out to get food, mm-hmm. like I, I just fucking brilliant. Like, yeah, amazing. I, I love that so much. And like the fact that like when he comes out at the end and the boy sees him and it just like fuck goes yeah. and passes out like it, and then you're just like shit this is yeah. amazing it's yeah. so good yeah it's just like immaculately constructed like yeah. i feel like this is just a movie where everything has a point and it all props itself up so i don't know where i don't know how you build this from scratch because it feels like such a complicated thing that all the pieces just fit really beautifully yeah it it's just really clever. And that's and it's one of the things, too, like we were saying, is like, all you know is like the host, this movie's called Parasite, it's got to mm-hmm. be monster related. And like throughout the whole film, there's this narrative of a ghost in the house that yeah. nobody is talking about that you're like, I mean, it's got to be something related to that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it is. It's just not, it's not actual ghost. It's, yeah, it's but people. like, <laughs> but if, if, if somebody, like if you were in your apartment and just like one day you came out and there was somebody there, like, you what else are you gonna like Mm. i don't know like whether you actually believe in i mean we talked about the believing in ghost thing on one episode but like the the it's like your brain doesn't know how to rationalize what you saw especially if you're a child you're just like i just like kids all the time are like i saw a ghost mommy it's a ghost in the closet Mm -hmm. and like you never really know what they saw that spooked them you're just like look there's nothing in your freaking closet look nothing in the closet i'll leave the light on you'll be fine shut up I don't actually have a kid today. No. Nope. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it's just it's just, it's it just I just loved when that came back, and it was like, oh shit, dude, that's crazy. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Um, well, uh, I think that's gonna do it for this review of Parasite. So uh, we're gonna go off and review the Lighthouse, which should be a very fun review. <laughs> <laughs> see so you guys. We'll see you. Jessica, where don't I? Illinois, Chicago. Cause I'm Ben and Gimsy Mo, Colonel Nizatron.